tonight. Amen. Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to read just two verses of Scripture tonight. Uh, you know that means absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation, Acts chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. Uh, the word of the Lord says this, So Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. And Lord, I pray that you would reach down, that you would send a pop-up revival in our life. Let it just happen, Lord Jesus. Encounter us on our road. Encounter us in our home. Encounter us in a life-changing move that will change our direction and a life-changing move that will change somebody else. Lord, I pray that you would just send your fire, send your anointing, and send your peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated all around the building. Tonight I'm going to talk about convergence of impact. Now there was no red lines on that, so it told me I spelled it right. Diane's giving me the thumbs up. Convergence of impact. Now, in case you don't know what convergence means, it means a coming together. It means a joining together. Now, I got news for you. We can have revival every night of every week. We can have 365 days of revival. But if we never let revival come together with somebody else, all we're having is a spiritual party. I've been, when I was a youth pastor, I've been to Winterfest and in and, and, and South Carolina we went to a thing called Praise Fest and 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 we we've seen times I remember one night at Praise Fest in South Carolina, uh uh the power of God fell. The preacher never preached. We had about four or five thousand teenagers there. They were speaking in tongues and shouting and running and laughing. And I'm gonna tell you, you let the Holy Ghost, supernatural power of God, hit teenagers, immature in their mindset, they know how to party. And when they started partying spiritually, they partied hardy. I mean, they were hooting and hollering and running and crying and, and laughing. You know, over here they had the spirit of laughter, and over here they had the spirit of crying, and over here they were laying hands on each other, and over here they were speaking in tongues, and over here they were standing on their head. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was insane. And my kids got in the van, and they were like, oh, and I decided to be adult buzzkill. And I said, what'd you learn about God tonight? Uh, he's fun. Here's what I told my kids. I said, we can party in the spirit every night. But until we learn to let 
God change who we are. The partying is nothing but a good time. I believe that it's time that we begin to understand that this revival that God is sending us in was never intended just to be a feel-good set of meetings. It was never intended to be a, a set of meetings where we can just come and dance and shout. But rather, this is a time that God has popped up into our life and said, I want you to change something. I want you to change somebody. Monday night or Sunday night when God gave me this, told me to start a revival. I don't do that, Pastor. And and God told me to start a revival, and I was going home and going, what am I supposed to be doing? And God said, it's just popped up on you. And I was like, a pop-up revival. Woo! I don't know if you understand what a pop-up something is, but they have these businesses that are pop-up businesses. And they don't have a location, per se. They just sort of happen. Uh, 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 Sometimes they have pop-up parties. Ooh, I hope this ain't a pop-up party. They, they, they have, they have pop-up restaurants that don't have one location, but they show up in different places. And instead of renting a facility all the time, they have a facility for a night or two. And they just come in and they pop up in a neighborhood. And all of a sudden, they get a following. And I begin to understand that God was popping something up in our spirit. And in Monday night, God laid on my heart to preach Peter's message after the, after the lame man had been healed. And I realized that it was the pop-up message that started the church. Oh, we say it was the message at the day of Pentecost. But when Peter and John spoke and brought healing to the man at the gate beautiful, it was different than when God sent the Holy Ghost. It was them bringing what God had put in them and sharing it. And God said, let me show you what I can do with what you have. Last night we talked about Jacob. And we talked about how he was running from his past. He was running from his struggles. And all of a sudden, God showed up and showed him a good place to worship him. And I began to say, God, what do you want me to do tonight? I could do Psalms 48 what I was planning, but I'll do that next week, maybe. Uh, Let me change. I'll do that when the revival's over. That 48 tag is still on the pulpit, so I won't forget. I began to ask God, what do you want me to preach tonight? And I looked at several things, and I'm not going to tell you everything I looked at because I may preach them later in the week. I looked at Moses and the burning bush, and I looked at at, at Elijah and Mount Carmel, and I, I looked at all these things, and God kept sending me back to Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion. And here's what God told me this morning in prayer. He said, the revival that I'm sending to your hearts, hear that. He didn't tell me he was sending a revival to our church. He said he was sending a revival to our hearts. He said, the revival that I am sending to your hearts is only as good as how much you trust me. It's only as good as how much you will let me change your mind. Can I tell you something? Thank you for the permission. I was going to do it anyway. Can I tell you that God wants to change the way you look at life? 
We talk about God as a spouse, as a husband or a wife. We, we talk about that kind of love that we have for God. But I got news for you. This isn't the kind of, uh, of relationship where they don't want to change you. God's total intention is to change who you are. Our problem is the reason why we don't experience a revival the way God really wants us to is we come into revival and we say, God, I'll move however you want as long as it fits into my picture of what revival is, as long as it fits into my mindset of what your power is, as long as you stay inside the lines. In this chapter, we see two individuals that each had an idea of what revival looked like. The first one that we see is Saul. Saul, we know better as Paul, but Saul had an idea of what revival was. Saul was a powerful man of the church. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He had authority. He had power. When he was a young man, he was there one day when all of a sudden there was a man that got up and began to spout off things. We're going to change. This guy got up and began to speak to the crowd about the wickedness of their lives and how they needed to turn and follow this heretic that had claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God. Now, everybody knows that God will let the Pharisees, God will bring about his leadership through the leadership of the church and we don't need some crazy man out here that hung out with fishermen dying and being having his body stolen and now everybody's saying he's risen from the dead. They're a bunch of heretics. They're a bunch of lunatics and we need to stop them and as a young man, he watched as a city rose up against this man Stephen who was preaching about Jesus Christ and the Bible says they rose up and would gnaw at him with their teeth. I've had some people get mad at my preaching before but so far nobody's ever bit me. Don't you look at me like that. So far nobody's ever bit me. They drug him out of town, and young Saul was standing there. And the men of that city said, young man, come here. And he held out his hand, and they hold, they stacked their coats into his arms. And he sat there, and he watched them stone Stephen till he died. He heard Stephen say, I see the Lord. On the, I see Jesus on the right hand of the Father. He saw as the first martyr of the church died, and the Bible says he looked on in approval. Why in the world would he approve of the death of Stephen? Because he had an idea of what revival was supposed to be. And it wasn't supposed to come the way they're saying it came. He goes a little further down. He grows up a little more. He's a ruler. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He is important. And he goes to the high priest, and he says, give me some letters. Let me go and start rounding up the believers because they don't have a right 
They're trying to destroy what God has set up in the church. Oh, they say this is a God thing, but we're following the laws of Moses, and we're following laws and tradition that is older than what they've done. We've been doing this longer than they've been doing it. Oh, if you're watching this online, make sure you stick with me. You've got to get to the rest of the sermon. Let me tell you something. Saul said, I want to go arrest them. I want to go imprison them. It wasn't because he was a rankly evil man. It's because he had an idea of what he thought revival was. He had an idea of what he thought it meant to serve God. Can I tell you, some of our problem, some of our struggle that we have in the church in 2019 is we've got so caught up, and this is how you have church, and this is what you do, and it's got to have this name on the door, and it's got to sound like this and look like that, that all of a sudden we can't let God move unless he moves the same way that we saw Grandma move. I got news for you. I'm a loud preacher. I pace around. I yell and scream. I wear out my voice, but it's not the volume of my preaching that makes me anointed. It's the message that I preach. I'm going to tell you right now, we could be just as anointed if I came in and I said, let me tell you, we have the wrong idea of what revival is. If I talked in a soft tone, it wouldn't change the message. But somewhere down the line, we've decided that if you talk quiet, you're not anointed. Mm, come on, Pentecostal people. You need to wake up and smell the coffee. Oh! Imagine what the Baptist church could do with Pentecostal. Imagine what we could do if we actually educated the people we, got, we saved. Don't be throwing stones at another organization when we all we do know how to shout. We know how to party, but we don't know how to disciple. We don't take time to pour into people. I'm telling you right now, we got to quit having a preset idea of what revival looks like or we become guilty of becoming a zealot like Saul. I have been in the church when I heard a lady turn around to her daughter, adult daughter, and say, those clothes are not appropriate, leave. I went to her and said, what are you doing? She goes, she cannot be in my church if she looks like that. I was still learning. I promise you if she had done that now, I said, listen, that attitude is not appropriate, Leave. We, we have become so zealous for holiness that we've forgotten to reach the lost. We've gotten letters that tell us in the word of God that we need to be righteous and we need to be godly and we need to be holy as he is holy. But somewhere down the line, we've taken that and began to run people out of the church because they can't live up to a dress code, because they can't live up to this, that, or the other. But I got news for you. We have become like Saul. We're arresting them. We're killing them. And we're, they're dying spiritually because we don't have love. Saul is on his way to arrest the church. The Bible says he's going down the road, and all of a sudden, a 
bright light shines, knocks him off his horse. And I tell you, I always wish he was riding a donkey. Then I could have preached when the power of God knocks you. Never mind. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Power of God knocked him off his horse. And the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And listen to what Saul says. Who are you, Lord? Do you hear that? He called him Lord. When he heard the voice, he knew the voice. Let me give you a different view of Saul than maybe you've ever had in your life. We always think of Saul as being the wicked man wanting to kill people. But the truth of the matter is, he was the church man that was wanting to try to keep things pure, trying to do things the way he thought it was supposed to be. But all of a sudden, one day, God interrupted him and said, I'm going to pop up a revival in you. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, Saul gets on the ground and says, Who are you, Lord? What he was asking was not, are you God? He said, I know you're Lord, but now I'm understanding who are you, Lord? You are Jesus Christ who lived, who taught, who walked, who was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day. Who are you, Lord? We cannot have a revival that will change our heart that will change our view until we understand who he is. Till we understand that revival doesn't come from a song. I love songs. Ooh, they sang my song again today. Ooh. I know people that to this day, every time they hear Amazing Grace, they weep. I'm going to tell you, every time I hear Isaiah 6, I start feeling it. I, I love the song. I love the message. I love the power. Oh, oh. It, Man, when I was growing up, there were some old songs. I've been around music a little bit. I, I, Y'all know I'm not super musical, but I sing a little. I loved beating the drums tonight. That was fun. That was fun. I've been around music a little bit, and I've been around long enough, unfortunately, to know when to pick what song. I remember the day, if you're getting a revival service or you're getting camp meeting, if you just get somebody sing robe and a crown, I'm going to wear a robe. I can't even remember anymore. I used to be able to sing it. Boy, you wear a robe and a crown, you go through it twice, and then you turn the key up one notch. Ooh, that key change. Man, it's time to shout. They're going to run. Somebody's going to hoot and holler. You know why? Because we think revival's tied to a song. 
We think revival's tied to amazing grace or, 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 or Isaiah 6 or, or we think revival's tied to, to an old hymn or whatever. Why? Because that's where we maybe we felt something one time. Maybe God moved in our life. But our problem is we don't let God knock us off our high horse enough to understand who he really is. He is not the song, but he is the one we're singing the song to. I am... Oh, I love being me. All of me. I love being me. I, I, guys, the nice thing about being Pastor Tommy, not Evangelist Tommy, is y'all know me. And, and, and so I can say some things and get away with it. Because y'all know I like contemporary music. Oh, man. Uh, um, uh, that song we sang tonight, what was it? All my hope is in, man, every time I hear that song, I, I'm like, oh, every time we need to do that in church. I, oh, I love that song. I love that. It's new. It's on the radio. I hear songs on the radio. I'm like, oh, we need to do, oh, that's a good one. But can I tell you one of the problems we've got today? We've made too many of songs about us and not enough of them about him. Oh, we, we make too many of our songs be about how much he loves us and how much he provides for us and how much he can give us and how good he is to us and how important we are to him. And all those things are true. He loves us. He gives us. We are important to him. But I got news for you. I'm not worshiping so that I, everybody can understand how blessed I am. I am worshiping so that his name can be lifted up. Oh, now, lest you think I'm leaving everybody else out, look through the hymn book and find out how many songs are about trying to get to heaven instead of trying to praise the one in heaven. Come on. We can't pick on one. The problem is we begin, we've been thinking that revival and power and even worship is about a song when it's about who are you, Lord? Who are you in my life? Who are you right now? We thought, that revival and power is about a preacher. We thought that it's about somebody that can get up and deliver a message the way we like it. Oh, maybe we like a couple of jokes here and there. Or maybe we like somebody that gets loud and yells and screams. Or maybe we like somebody that talks quietly. It doesn't matter what it is we like. We think that's what power is. But I got news for you. It's not in a, in a sermon. It's not in a preacher. It's not about Curtis Silcox or David Tennyson or, 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 or Joel Osteen or, 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 or Rod Parsley or, or Eric Petrie or, or Chris Cantrell or Tommy Sandifer. It's about, it's about the anointing and the power of God. I got news for you. If we don't lift up the name of God, the Bible says the rocks in the tree will cry out. Nature preaches about the glory of God. We need to understand who are you, Lord, is not about a personality. It's about a Savior. Who are you, Lord, is not about a name on a building. I know who I'm preaching to. I know most of you in this church have more Assembly of God background. You got Church of God background. I, I know that, and and that's okay. You got saved. 
and, and came to the church of God? Kidding. I grew up in the church of God. I grew up in the church of God. I remember the days when we didn't cross paths. We were so spiritually minded. We were so pious in who we are that we couldn't read books or listen to sermons or anything if they wasn't church of God. Mm. I remember the days when there was separation because of the name on a building. I remember the days when we finally got over that and we began to realize, my word, Assembly of God's got some of the best people in the world. They got some of the greatest preachers in the world. They, they got people that know how to worship. They got people that know how to serve. We, we need to join. And, man, we, we finally got that together. We realized, hey, we're together in this. And, and the assembly of God and the Pentecostal Holiness Church, and, oh, we can shout. But don't mess with me, Baptist people. We thought that the anointing could only come under a Pentecostal banner. Can I tell you, I remember the day that a Baptist pastor reached out his hand to me when I was at my lowest point in my life. Not just spiritually, but emotionally and financially and physically saved my life. He's Baptist. I used to tell him once in a while, I go, Frank, you're Baptist. He even believed in eternal security. We would argue about it. I don't believe in eternal security. I still don't. But I tell you what I know. When I grow up in the Lord, I hope that my light is like Frank Carl. I hope that I can understand that it's not about a banner over a building. It's not about a name. Church of God, Assembly of God, Pentecostal Holiness, Baptist, Methodist. It doesn't matter to me if we're serving the name of Jesus Christ, if we're serving him. Who are you, Lord? Lord doesn't say, I'm Church of God or I'm a Assembly of God, or I'm Baptist, or I'm Methodist. He says, I am the Son of God. We've got to get to a place in our life that when we ask, who are you, Lord, we understand it's not tied to a song. It's not tied to a personality. It's not tied to a name on a sign. It's not tied to a family. Who are you, Lord? Saul said, who are you, Lord? I know you're Lord. And now I'm understanding who you are. I'm understanding you are the one they've been talking about. You are the one. Jesus speaks to him. And Jesus says, the voice replied, I am Jesus the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go in the city and you'll be told what you must do. He says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. I'm telling you, if you want a revival that will change your life, get a revival that doesn't come from a personality, from a song, from a name, from a church, but it comes from Jesus. 
I am Jesus. And then he says, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Then the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sounds of someone's voice, but saw no one. And look at this. Verse 8 says, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by hand to Damascus. Evangelist Tommy here. Time you pick yourself up. Time you pick yourself up. What are you talking about? Pick yourself. It's time that we quit whining and moaning and complaining that we had it all wrong or that we didn't have the right idea or that things were different or, oh, Lord, God has struck me down. And we pick ourselves up and realize that God has got something for us tomorrow. God has got something for us down the road. Just because God has knocked us off our horse doesn't mean God has knocked us out of the race. It's time to pick yourself up and grab somebody's hand and say, get me where I need to be. I may not be able to see right now. I I may not know what's going on, but I know one thing. I'm going to pick myself up off this road, and I'm going to get to where there's an answer. I'm going to get to where there's a victory. I love the altar. You got to get out of the altar. I, lo- I love the altar. I love the floor. Last several years, I prayed for more people that went down than I got than I got to go down. I should say, praise God. The other night, God knocked me out on my back. I, I love the floor, but if you stay on the floor, there's no power. If you stay on the floor, there's no future. If you stay on the floor, there's no victory. If Paul had stayed on the side of the road, he would have died there, never changing anybody else's life, never doing anything. If you stand around and moan and groan and weep and cry because you didn't get it right or because God had to correct you or because God had to tell you you were wrong, then you need to understand God only told you that because he's got something for you ahead. Pick yourself up and get to Damascus. Pastor, I can't get there. I'm blind. Find somebody and say, take me there. I wasted too many years of my life laying on the ground. God, I'm not smart enough. God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not this. God, I'm not that. God, I'm not this. I just must not be a good enough preacher. Nobody ever asked me to preach. Not be must not be very good. I I, I I must not be very good. I'm not on TV. I have not preached one camp meeting. Not one. I mean, I mean really, not one. 
I preached one night of youth camp when I was a youth pastor. One night. I didn't even get to preach a whole camp. I got to preach one night. Man, I'm horrible. And I've let the world cause me to stay where God called me instead of picking myself up and going to where God called me. You hear what I said? You're spending too much time staying where God called you instead of picking yourself up and going to where God called you. See, it's great when God says, you're called. It's awesome. But it's even better when you realize that what he says is you're called to Camden. And you go Camden. We got to pick ourselves up. The church in America in 2020 has become the most lame, crippled church. I don't know if in history, but in a long time. Because we have decided that we can't move beyond where we're at. We have we've decided that we're just a small church. And we can't grow any bigger because we're just a small church. We've decided that we can't have more than 100 to 120, and once we get there, something's going to happen, and we're going to drop back down, because we always have. But God is saying it's time that you quit hanging out where I called you and you understand what I called you to. It's time that we pick ourselves up and we quit saying we can't, we're not able, we can't see, we can't, we don't know what's going on. And instead, Paul, Saul said, listen, I can't see the way, I can't see the road, but God, you send me somebody and I'll hold on to their arm and I'll let them lead me where you want me to go. Wish I had a mirror in here so I could go preach to myself. I know where I'm going. You quit worrying about what you can figure out and what you can plan and what you can understand. You close your eyes and you grab a hold of somebody else's arms and you let them lead you where you don't even know. You got to trust that they're leading you to the place God told you, but you don't worry about it. You just hang on and let them take you where they want to take you. Somebody needs to pick themselves up and let God lead them where they need to go. Pastor, why did you grab that picture of yourself? Because any of you know me well know I'm a control freak. I, I mean, before church tonight, Sarah was already like, back up. Evangelist, evangelist Tommy, you go up there, go on. What? Why? I got to make. Now, somewhere we got to pick ourselves up. Understand that we have been blinded by the light, and now it's time to be led wherever God wants us to go. I got news to you. This revival didn't happen because I wanted it to. It happened because God knocked me off my high horse, and he picked me up, and he said, you just follow one step at a time, one day at a time, and I'll take you where I want you to be. I love being an evangelist. If I was a pastor, I'd have to stop. 
Saul's not the only one in this story. There's another man in this story. And his name was Ananias. Verse 10, when it were introduced to him, it says, And now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Now, excuse me while I shout. I don't see everything until I get to preach it. The way I work. When God encountered Saul, he took his side away. When God encountered Ananias, he gave him vision. Every time God takes your side away, he gives somebody else vision. You better know that if you're the one been knocked down on the side of the road and you can't see where to go, you better hang on because God's already sent a vision to somebody else. And if God's given you a vision, you better get ready because there's a blind man coming. Chris, if you don't preach that next Sunday, you're crazy. Uh, I'm kidding. He's taking notes, though, isn't he? You don't even have to give me credit, brother. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. And Ananias said, yes, Lord. The difference between Saul and Ananias was relationship. When Christ called Ananias, when Christ called Saul, he said, who are you, Lord? Oh, I recognize your Lord, but I don't know that I know who you are. When Christ called Ananias, Ananias said, yep, yep, you there? Oh, I say something when people call me at times or when I greet people. I say, hellos, howdies, highs, and all that good jazz in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and soon coming King. Actually, I knew I was missing something. It's actually greetings and salutations, hellos, howdies, highs, and all that good jazz in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and soon coming King. When when Brother Brian first started working with us, he'd call me and I'd say, greetings and salutations, hellos, howdies, highs, and all that good jazz in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and soon coming King. That is my Paul greeting. If you read the first half chapter of every letter, he wrote it basically as translated, hi. Uh, and, Brian calls me just about every day, all the time, all the time. But you know what? He doesn't get greetings and salutations, hellos, hatties, highs, and all that good jazz in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. You know what he gets? Yep. 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 And he's always going, oh, come on, it's, it's greetings from the servant of the Most High God. I said, no, it's yep. He goes, why is it yep? I said, because I got caller ID. I know who's calling me. You better hang on to your shoes, sweetheart. Because when God calls you and you have a relationship, you don't have to go through any formalities. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. There was nothing surprising about the vision. There was nothing surprising about the call. There was nothing surprising about the Christ calling his name. And Ananias knew him well enough just to say, yeah, what do you need? What can I do for you today? What is it that you want from me? I got news for you. Sometimes we get a, bit, a good enough relationship with Christ that we don't have to get formal. We can just say, yes, Lord. Can I meddle just a little bit? You ever notice us in the Pentecostal church? I don't know if it happens in other churches. I just know Pentecostal. Somehow we decided that if we're going to talk to God, it's supposed to be in King James. Did we get up and talk to our family that way? Did thou hast a great evening last night of how art thou feeling today? Then why in the world do we have so little relationship with the God that lives in our life that we think we got to put on a special language to talk to him? Somebody just wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Oh, hi. Yep. Ananias knew him. Now I'm about to bust a bubble. You can have a relationship with God, close enough with God, know him and know him by name, be comfortable with him, and still need revival. think you've got it all together. You can think you know everything. You can know Jesus so well that you and him are just best buds and you hang out together and still need a change in the way you view the world. Christ says, Ananias, and he says, yes, Lord. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. Mr. I know God. Mr. I got a relationship. Mr. Nothing special. Yeah, Lord, what do you need? The next words out of his mouth is, but Lord, When you say, but Lord, you better get an altar. When you say, but Lord, what you're saying is, God, I need you to change my vision. I need you to change what I see. But, Lord, I've heard about this man. I've heard stories. He's coming to arrest us. God, you're sending me into a trap. God, I don't trust him. don't have to trust him. Trust God. told you a while ago one of our biggest challenges to the revival is that we stay laying on the road where God called us. I think the next biggest challenge to revival is we decide who we can let in and who we can't. We decide to limit what God wants because we limit what we will obey. 
Has God ever told you to do something and you went, but God, I sat right here. And God said, have church tomorrow night. It's not planned. When we begin to limit and pick and choose what we will obey. When we are told to go pray for somebody and we don't do it. Step back. Man and I. There would be no sermon from Romans. There would be no sermons from first and second Corinthians, from first and second Thessalonians, from first and second Timothy. There would be no sermons from Ephesians. We wouldn't have messages and encouragement like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because somebody that we only know from one passage of Scripture said no. Who are you holding back? From the kingdom of God. Whose ministry are you limiting? Because you won't go pray. Because you won't reach out a hand. Because you won't share what God's done in you. What power? That can change the world. Are we as a church losing because we're too busy wanting to celebrate in the house and we don't want to go to straight street? Got quiet in here. We were shouting just a minute ago. We were hooting and hollering a second ago. But I got news for you, church. Revival isn't about the shout. It's about the change. The word revival means to revive, to bring back to life, to re, 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 revitalize, to, to make alive again. I'm afraid too many times we're taking spiritual electric paddles for shocking each other back to life only to live on life support because we get up and leave. We know Christ. We know his voice, but when he tells us where to go, too many of us spend too much time saying, but God, but Lord, you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what it would cost me. You don't know what I'd have to put up with.
willing to be an Ananias. Ananias started with but Lord. But then he got up and he went to straight Verse 17 that I read earlier says, So Ananias went and found And he laid his hands on him and said, He went to him and he said, Brother, Brother Saul, we have not seen things the same way. We have not had the same view. You thought revival was purifying those that believed in Christ, and I thought revival was keeping away from you. We haven't agreed on anything, but God said that he chose you. Brother Saul, Lord has sent me. This revival, we can go on every night. We can have revival every night till Jesus comes. I hope he lets me let somebody else preach. We can have revival every night till Jesus comes. Sort of a lie, I like that. Uh, but if we never take it outside that door, if we never go to Straight Street, if we don't get outside our comfort zone, I've got a comfort zone. Have a lady that comes and helps us out at the house once a month. Just started. First time we actually was there when she I'm being nice and polite. And my wife stepped outside of the comfort zone. Yeah, and I was like, said, We're in revival at the church. You got a church? No, I need one. Oh, you need it. Every time that woman got within earshot of my wife, she was talking about what God was doing at the church. Then she kept going, tell her about this. Tell her about that, Tommy. Tell her about this. I'm like, so what kind of church is it? Well, we're sort of loud. We're, we're, we're Pentecostal. Oh, my husband's family's Pentecostal. I like Pentecostal. See, see, I'm shy. I'm afraid. Outside the pulpit, I'm shy. I'm afraid. But when revival comes, it changes our view. We quit. We quit saying, but Lord, but Lord, this can't happen. That can't happen. I can't do this. And we go and say, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me to lay my hands on you. Let me read it so I get it right. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me 
that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man that had lost prayed for the man who had vision so that he could regain vision gives birth to vision. Bible come. What happened? Ananias goes on and is you do just a little research on him and you find out that he becomes a, a leader. Some people consider him a, a, a disciple. Some would call him a disciple of Christ. Others call him a New Testament prophet. He, he, is, he, he has sainthood. He goes on and he completes, spends the rest of his life serving God. Most of us don't know. Saul becomes Paul. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few years. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such division? Devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And they didn't, ha- and he didn't, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains uh, to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah because one man got past his butt Lord. Because one man got up off the ground when he couldn't see. God rose up a ministry that changed the world. Tonight, the revival that I want to see happen in our heart is revival that moves outside of. Some of you right now have in your mind somebody you need to talk to. Somebody you need to share your story with. Maybe it's as simple you need to invite them to church. Maybe it's you need to go sit down with them and tell them what God has done for you. Some of you right now are thinking about a time when God woke you up in the middle of the night and gave you a name to pray for. You need to be an Ananias. Our names may never be known by the man. But there may be somebody preaching also. I've never been listed among the greatest of anything. There's a young lady named Kim Peters. Heard her husband. Mighty work. Heard his priest. Valentine. Sister. Friend. Heard her.
Justin and Melissa pastor church. We went and visited at our Men and Women of Action retreat the year before last. They were all excited. They had just in five years, they had went from seven, from 10 people to 800 people. Whoa! We went back this year. They had moved into their new building. They had built, they had bought, an, uh, got another section of the shopping center they were in so that they could go from three services back down to one, maybe two. When we went back this year, Melissa come out and she said, Pastor Tommy, you won't believe this, but now we're averaging 18. They added 1,000 people in a year. Think about that. Their new building now has three services just to keep up with the crowd. And they're in a small town. Say something. This point in my life, I haven't preached a thousand, but I've been Ananias to some of them. There may be things you haven't seen yet. Maybe, just maybe, you're Ananias. Maybe, just maybe, you're the one going to lead Billy Graham business. You're the one. You're the Sunday school teacher. You're the children's teacher. You're the youth pastor. You're the pastor. But that one person, it's been my experience, they don't always look like they've got it. Oh, always impressive, but always. Some of you here, maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one who's had a certain view of how things let God move. Quit trying to lead. Maybe God's got more for you than you ever dreamed. Maybe God's got more planned for you. But we've got to understand revival isn't just about. It's about. It's not about me. It's about we. Walls. It's about the street called straight. In the house of Jesus, where there's a person that nobody trusts. Lay your him. It were like scale. The lenses that he had seen the world through fell off. He opened his eyes again. That's the common denominator between me. 
a new view. A new view. We start looking at people differently. We start seeking people out. Because we take our relationship with him. We say, God, I'll pray for, I'll go, I'll do, I'll witness wherever to whoever. I'm going to pray. Tonight, we don't have three sides. We got one big altar. But if you will be bold enough tonight to say, God, I want you to fix my gaze. It doesn't matter which one you are. God, you you need to let me see that I'm doing this wrong. Or maybe you, God, you let me see that I need to trust you and reach out to everyone. I need to see the world different. I need to see my future different. I got to pick myself up. Some of you, you felt that call. You felt that anointing, but you're still laying there. You're ready tonight to say, God, fix my gaze. Bring my sight back. Give me the vision that allows me to move forward. Whether I'm helping somebody else change the world or whether I'm leading the path, it doesn't matter to me. Fix my view. You're ready to say that. You got to get yourself, you got to pick yourself up. That's the reason I'm not going to let you just pray. If you want God to fix your view, as I pray, I want you to pick yourself up and come stand up here, kneel up here, wherever. I'm going to come pray for you, and I believe when I lay my hands on you, scales are going to fall off your eyes. The distorted views that you have had are going to melt away. I see life through lenses of control. Of, oh, I got to make sure. I got to make sure everything's right. Lenses. Maybe you see life through fear. Fear is going to fall away. Maybe you see life through doubt. That doubt's going to fall away. Maybe you see life through the past hurts and the pains in your life. It's going to fall away. When the scales fell off Saul's eyes, he no longer saw the stoning of Stephen. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand. You want God to change your gaze. Maybe you'd just be honest enough to say, God, it's been a long time. Haven't felt like I had a fresh vision in a long time. Haven't felt like I had a fresh touch in a long time. I haven't felt like like that I could be anything important. I feel like a waste. Pick yourself up and let God change change you. Right now, come as I pray, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, our eyes have been clouded. Our vision has been masked. God, our attitudes, our personalities have have encroached upon what you have called us to be, what you have called us to do, what you have called us to experience. And, Lord, tonight we pick ourselves up. 
we pick ourselves up and we move 